Good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23, and we'll begin at verse 25, and uh, I will be reading from the New Living Translation tonight. Bible says, when David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even farther into the wilderness to the great rock. Somebody say the wilderness. Somebody say the rock. And he remained there in the wilderness of Maon, but Saul kept after him in the wilderness. Saul and David were now on opposite sides of a mountain. And just as Saul and his men began to close in on David and his men, an urgent message reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel again. Spur of the moment seemingly, but just at the right time. And so Saul quit chasing David and returned to fight the Philistines. And ever since that time, the place where David was camped at a rock in the wilderness has been called Selah Hamalekoth, which being interpreted means the rock of escape. Why don't you pray with me tonight? Let's lift our hands and our voices. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. God, we thank you for your word that brings life. Jesus, we believe and declare that it is forever settled in heaven. And Jesus, we stand upon your word today. And God, we pray that it would bring light. God, that you would help us to speak life as the word is declared. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody shout in Jesus' name today. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. I wonder if you can just consider and ponder with me for a moment the things that you retreat to. You know, we all encounter the stresses of life. We all encounter pressures of life. We just came through a busy season. You know, I remember several years ago, I used to work in the retail industry, and of course, the Christmas and holiday season it's a busy one, probably for multiple industries, but certainly when you're in retail. If you uh, are in the retail industry, maybe you can say amen to that. A little bit more crowded, maybe a little less so with Amazon, you know, burgeoning in society. But, but at any rate, I worked in a bulk food store. Maybe some of you know that. And we had all the fixings that you needed to make fruitcakes. And I mean, I remember, I remember I, one of my jobs was to help to keep these things stocked and full and I'll tell you, life was a lot more sticky during those few weeks leading up to Christmas. You know, so I know what it, what it can be like to have those stresses and those pressures of busy times. I'm the father of two beautiful daughters at this uh, point in my life. And uh, how many parents out there know what it's like at the end of the day when the kids finally go to bed? You persuade them somehow. You don't know how you did it. It was a miracle of God. And they finally fall asleep and... And you just feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're faced with the decision, you know, do I want to invest in my health and go to bed? Or do I want to invest, you know, in uh, my sanity and just spend a little bit of time decompressing from the stresses of the day? Some of you, you're a little older. You've maybe forgotten bedtime and what that was like. But praise God, you know, you feel like just singing, freedom. Praise God. I think we all have our 
our things that we retreat to, things that we use to find some solace and, and some peace in the midst of the stresses of life. And, and a lot of these things are, are more than fine. Some people like to go hunting. Some people like to fish. Some people like to read. Some people like to pull out the newspaper. Some like to go to various forms of media. And none of these things are wrong in moderation, of course. But then there are other things that people can sometimes go to that are more than just ways to decompress. But some people, unfortunately, turn to various vices in life. And people can turn to things in times of intense stress and pressure. Things uh, like alcoholism can come out of just somebody trying to find a way to get away from, from the pressure that can sometimes come in life. Substance abuse and people can run to various forms of lust. And, and ultimately the scripture, it paints these sorts of pictures for us. How at times, and, and we could spend uh, perhaps a fair amount of time unpacking this. I'll just graze by quickly. But there are many accounts in scripture where famines would come. And where there was intense pressure put on the people of various areas, stories like Abraham's and Sarah's come to mind when there was a famine and they, of course, went to sojourn in Egypt. And it's very important in times when, when things get a little bit stressful in life that you don't seek to turn to this world for your solace and for your peace and, and for some sense of relief. Because it's always a detriment to your life and it always brings about unaccounted for baggage. Later on, I've, I've preached this before, so again, just grazing by, but later on in life when they got tired of waiting on God's promise, of course, of course, Sarah said to Abraham, why don't you take my handmaid, handmaid my Egyptian handmaid, Hagar? And the question, of course, is where did Hagar come from? And the answer is Egypt unaccounted for baggage, all because there was a pressure, a famine that came, and they decided to run to this world for their sustenance and their solace. It's never a good idea, Elimelech and Naomi, to leave Bethlehem, the house of bread, and, and retreat to Moab in the time of a famine. And so the question, I guess, is what do you do when the pressures of life mount up, and where do you run, and what do you go to I've just come simply, the message is not all that deep tonight, but the answer for any of life's stresses and pressures, we heard it this morning, but the answer is Jesus. The answer, I know it's simplistic, and I know maybe you were expecting something a little bit deeper, but, but Jesus is the answer to every storm. Jesus is the answer to every season of dryness. Jesus is the answer to every wilderness we wander through. Jesus can sustain you and bring peace in the midst of whatever you might face. Somebody shout, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is still the answer. The book of 1 Samuel, it documents the life of David before he is coronated as king of Israel. And that, of course, doesn't happen until 2 Samuel chapter 5. And the scriptures that we opened with in 1 Samuel 23 this evening, they take place when David is on the run from Israel's current king, Saul. And Saul hates David because he is envious of David and the fact that David will someday assume the throne that he is currently seated on. Saul has tried on multiple occasions to, to take David's life, and in response, David has fled from his home and is making every effort to stay 
out of Saul's path. David has become very good at dodging javelins and spears. And now he is on the run. In and of himself, David has done nothing specifically against Saul that merits such treatment. All that David has done up to this point is trust God and step out on faith and defeat that enemy Goliath, that giant. And for stepping out in faith and standing for the name of their God, David is treated like this. All that David has done is serve Saul and try to relieve the tormenting spirits in Saul's life. And and for this sort of loyalty and service, this is how David is treated. David has done nothing but, but honor the authority that Saul possesses in his current role as king. And this loyalty is tested, and it is proven while David is on the run. Two separate times, in fact, David will have the opportunity to easily take Saul's life. One time, David and his men, they are in a cave, and Saul wanders in to relieve himself, the Bible says. And and David has the opportunity to, to take him out. He is unarmed, he is unprotected, and he doesn't realize that he is vastly outnumbered in this cave, but David does no such thing. He cuts the corner off of his, of his robe. And then in a subsequent encounter, just moments later, he goes out, holds it up, and says, Saul, your life was in my hands, but I chose to honor you, the king, and your authority. Another time that David, um, when Saul and his men are in a deep sleep, Abishai is with them, and, and he says to David, now is your time. Kill him. But he chooses not to, saying, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So loyalty, tested, proven, check. But David is in a difficult season nonetheless, one that you could say he does not deserve and is not of his own doing. It is the fault of somebody else with impure motives and a bad spirit, and all of this has driven David into this wilderness. And in David's season of testing and Wilderness wandering, he sets an example to all of us who also likewise perhaps find ourselves facing troubles of our own. David ran to the rock. Let me say the rock. The Hebrew word here for rock is selah. And it means a craggy rock. (laughs) Go figure. Also means fortress. Somebody say a fortress. David found shelter from his oppressor by running to the great rock, what would later become known as the rock of escape, something that David retreated to and found solace in and found peace from his storm and found peace from his tormentor Saul. David found peace in trouble because he ran to the rock. He found a selah. He found a fortress. And in case you are thinking that I'm only speaking of geology tonight, let me quote you some of the verses that David would later write in his life. And and I can only imagine that these were written as a result of experiences like we read at the beginning of the message tonight. 2 Samuel 22, verse 2, he said, The Lord is my rock, and he is my fortress, and he is my deliverer. Psalm 18, 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. He is my buckler and he is the horn of my salvation and he is my high tower. 
Psalm 71, verse 3, be thou my strong habitation. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. I don't know what you might resort to when pressures mount in your life, but David came to know that I can resort to the rock. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and thou art my fortress. Anybody grateful tonight that at one point in your life, one time or another, you knew what it was like to face pressure, but you knew where you could run. You could run to Jesus, the rock of your salvation. You could find a strong tower and a fortress in troubling times. And so for everyone here hearing the message, if you find yourself in a wilderness now or later, the answer will ever be the same. Do what David did and find that great rock. Find the rock of escape. He always provides a way of escape. He is the way of escape. I don't know if you've done much wandering in literal wildernesses, or would that be wilderness? I don't know. I don't know if anybody here kind of like an outdoorsy person. A couple, two. I think I saw two hands. Praise God. <clears throat> we should probably skip this portion of the sermon. You know, that was not my, uh, my upbringing, per se. I mean, we stayed at a couple campgrounds, if that counts. It's kind of like outside. Um, there was a couple of times, though, you know, I, I think there was twice that I would say that I basically was lost in the woods somewhere. Um, both times, uh, Shane Long was with me. So Shane and I, we don't really hang out anymore. I'm just kidding. There was one time we were in Ripples, and uh, we were fishing. I think I had fished a sum total of one time before this time. Um, but anyway, we were fishing, we were in Ripples, and we decided to, like, uh, there's an overpass. Somebody that knows the geography better, you would know the, maybe the, the river or something. But uh, we, we decided to follow this stream or river, whatever it is, upstream. We followed it a long way. There were six of us. We divided into two groups, two groups of three because why not? And uh, we were going up this river, and, and I think, if memory serves me correctly, I know Alex was there, Alex Kinney. I think it started to get kind of storm cloud and overcast, and we could sense rain was coming, so we turned back. And my group of three, we followed that, that river back downstream, which seemed like the right thing to do, but unbeknownst to us, we were on the other side of the shore, and, and we followed the wrong side of a fork in that river. And we got lost out in the middle of Ripples Nowhere somewhere, and by the time we figured out what had happened, you know, we turned back, doubled back on that river, and made our way to the van much later than the other group of three. We, we were lost. Could have been really bad, you know, but... But uh, we made it out. But there was this other time, um, and uh, this is a great story, so I'll tell it. Uh, I was with Shane, and there was one other, I believe. I, I probably was Justin McKenzie, because it just seems like something that, that his influence on this story, it just seems like it's there. So I, I'm just going to insert him there in the story. But uh, they wanted to go fishing. Shane had it in his mind that there was this fishing hole just out here behind the church property. There's a there's a little stream that they've dammed up, and there's a kind of a reservoir. And if you follow it up, it kind of gets smaller and smaller to its original size as a stream. So quite a ways up this stream, Shane had saw on his Google Maps that there was a fishing hole. Just off the shore, through the, thick, uh, through the weeds a little bit, 
off into the brush. There was a fishing hole, and he said, we're going to go fish. And so I'm in this story because my dad owns two kayaks, and so uh, that's the only reason I got the invitation, I'm quite sure. We had a problem. It was two kayaks, each a single seater, and we had three people. So our solution was a rubber dinghy hauled behind the two kayaks by a rope. I think I was on the dinghy. We came to quickly realize that this was not working very well. For one, the big reservoir that was quite deep became very shallow, and it was hard enough to uh, get kayaks through, let alone when you're hauling a rubber dinghy. And so, lo and behold, we come around this bend in, in the creek, in the stream, and wouldn't you know, there was a canoe tied to a tree just on the shore. And we felt like Abraham, God hath provided a canoe in the thicket. And so we did what anybody else would do. We pulled our kayaks and our rubber dinghy on the shore and we grand theft canoed. Grand borrowed canoe. And, you know, canoes are three-seaters, so we were set. (laughs) And we go all the way up this stream, and I'm telling you, it was rough going. It was shallow. It was more rock than water, really. There was trees that were falling over the over this stream, and we were picking our canoe up more than we were sitting in our canoe, and we finally get, he kept checking his GPS, we finally get to this place, we're just off the shore, through the brush, there's this fishing hole, and I got to tell you, it was the most beautiful mud hole that you have ever seen in your life. I think if you were to cast anything in there, you would be hard-pressed to get it out, not because the fish on the other end, but it was stuck in the mud. It was horrible, and it was all this time wandering out in the wilderness, all for naught. And, and in case you're wondering, yes, we did return the canoe. And they were none the wiser. Unless they came looking for it in that two-hour span, we don't really know that. But So we say the wilderness. The wilderness is always a symbol in Scripture. One of testing. It's difficulty we face. Problems we encounter. People that disappoint us. and A whole host of other things that, that we can wrestle with in life. Many times perhaps by no fault of our own, just things that come our way. The wilderness represents a period of trial and tribulation that if we will endure, we will come out on the other side better, like gold that is purified and tried in the fire. But I'm not come tonight to preach to you about what happens on the other side of your wilderness. Because I think we do all understand that God can make all things work together for good. I'm a believer tonight that God can take the worst seasons of my life, and and bring about good from them. I believe like Joseph believed, that what the enemy meant for evil, God can work it and turn it for good in my life. I believe that. But what I'm preaching about tonight is not what happens on the other side. I'm preaching about what happens in the middle. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, right, that, that if, you know, if I make it through this, I'll be good. That if can seem awful looming, right? can feel like it's a challenge just to put one foot in front of the other. It's difficult sometimes to see the other side of your wilderness when, when you're in the middle of it. And maybe it's easy to say, preacher, you know, it's hard to hear that everything's going to work out for my good when I get out of this. I feel like I can barely move forward right now. So how do we, when we find ourselves in, in these seasons of struggle and prevailing hopelessness and despair, ensure that we keep the right attitude and enough faith to make it through? I've come tonight simply to say that when you find yourself 
in the middle of a wilderness, wandering around, if you are struggling to keep your head above water and feel like you can hardly sense any hope of making your way out, don't give in to despair and don't die in your desert, but rather make your way to the rock. Because regardless of the wilderness tonight, there is a rock in the wilderness to which you can run. Anxieties, frustration, addiction, depression, loneliness, hurts, betrayal, anger, bitterness, abandonment, baggage. Just a few of the wildernesses that we can wander through. And we all understand, again, that if we make it through these things, we will come out stronger. But, but, but again, tonight, it's what happens in the middle that I am addressing. It's what we do when we're walking through Because you will not make it if you wander alone. You will not make it if you wander alone. The sun is too hot. The winds are too strong. You must go to the rock. How many know his name tonight? Somebody speak that name for a moment. Why don't you just lift your hands and just begin to worship the name of the one that we can run to. Because that rock... His name is Jesus. And I know it's maybe been a difficult season for a few of us this past year in the midst of all that's been going on, but no matter the wilderness, there is still a rock that we can run to. He is still steadfast and sure. His name is Jesus. He is our strong tower. He is our fortress, and he beckons us tonight, come to me. Come and find solace in me. Come and retreat into me. And find your peace. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We know his name tonight. We know who that rock is in the wilderness. It's Jesus. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And Jesus said to Peter, it's upon the rock of the revelation of who he is. So we speak his name one more time. Jesus. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus is that rock. Jesus is that rock. And if your soul is dry and thirsty, and if you feel like the wandering has been lingering a little too long, and you don't know what to do, the answer is still Jesus. God would speak to somebody tonight. His word would beckon you to try Jesus again. Maybe you've gone there before and you know what it is to feel his peace, but maybe it's been a while. So the word is try Jesus. Really try Jesus. At the beginning of a brand new year, go to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Find your peace in Jesus. There are two times in the Old Testament that Israel, under the leadership of Moses, they got water from a rock in the wilderness. They found refreshing from the rock in the wilderness. First, in Exodus 17, God told Moses to strike the rock with his staff. Second, in Numbers chapter 20, God tells Moses to speak to the rock. But Moses, again, instead, strikes the rock like he had done before. There's probably some good preaching in there that we could go dive into. But I don't want to get lost in the nuances of these accounts. I just want to rather look generally at the people and the frustration they were feeling in the wilderness. And what they did to find a refreshing. Numbers chapter 20, in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in 
the wilderness of Zin, and camped at Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, and so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. But people blamed Moses, and they said, if we had only died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? A question often asked in the wilderness is why? Why would this happen? Why would you do this, God? Why is this going on? And they started to believe that their wilderness was going to claim them. It was a deep-rooted sense of hopelessness that had gripped their soul. Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and, and no water to drink. We are dry. We are thirsty. And it feels hopeless. It was so bad that the people of God even started believing that it would have been better to remain in Egypt than to be a free people in the wilderness. I've just come to remind somebody that the bondage of Egypt pales in comparison to the freedom that we have in Jesus, even on your worst day. I think that's worthy of a little bit of praise. That's the truth. The best day in Egypt is worse off than the worst day in the church living for God. But the people lost sight of that. When we wander in a wilderness, we can start questioning if, if, if all of this really was worth it. But I've come to tell you that there is a refreshing for your soul. If you find yourself in a place like that, and that seems to be your thinking, I've come to tell you no matter what the season or the circumstance might be, don't give in to that despair. God had an answer for the people who were thirsty in the wilderness, and God still has an answer for people who are dry and thirsty in your wilderness. Moses and Aaron, they turned away from the people and they went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said, the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron, take the staff and assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, speak to the rock over there. Somebody say, speak to the rock. And it will pour out its water. Speak to the rock and you will find your refreshing. Speak to the rock and you will find your sustenance and your solace. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. When the people were thirsty, they started getting tense. And their first inclination was to go and start their murmuring and their grumbling to their leader. They thought their wilderness was unto death. They thought Egypt was better than freedom. And they started railing on those in authority over them. And God's answer to all of this was make your way to the rock. Speak to the rock and have a drink. It's your cure for stinking thinking. It will make all wrongs right if you will just go to the rock. Because when thinking gets messed up and people begin throwing stones in the wrong direction, that means it's time to go to the rock. The answer today, simple message for people that are growing weary perhaps in well-doing, those that maybe have had the thoughts that slavery and sin is better than being free, those that maybe have bought the idea that you may not make it through this one, the answer from the Word, is the same. Find your way to that rock again. 
have a little conversation with that rock one more time, and you will find that living water begin to flow and refresh your soul. I've just come to tell somebody, maybe it's just been a little too long since you've had a drink. Whatever your wilderness, whatever the frustration, stop focusing on your problems. Stop pointing at the past. Stop blaming other people and just make your way to the rock. Somebody say the rock. And we know that the water didn't eliminate the wilderness, but it did help the people to endure the wilderness. Music, come and join me tonight. We understand that going to Jesus, having a drink, as it were, it does not make every problem go away. Even Jesus said that in this world, we will encounter tribulation. But what we can see from Scripture is is although maybe we will encounter issues and problems, With the help of God and with the presence of Jesus, we can make it through. You can't make it alone, but with Jesus you can. Jesus is the answer. He is the rock in the wilderness that will refresh and sustain you. Paul doesn't leave us wondering. He lets us know that that rock in the wilderness... It was, it was pointing towards something. You know where I'm going, 1 Corinthians 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. All of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate that same spiritual food. And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. So we say that name one more time. The rock that we can run to is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I close with one story. It's a story about a woman who was deep in a pit of struggle and shame. She would certainly admit it if she were here in service today. If this were testimony service, She would tell you, I was in a wilderness at one point in my life. Some circumstances that led to this point were outside her control, but she certainly compounded her problems with layer upon layer of poor life choices. The thing about being in a wilderness is sometimes the intense heat and the thirst will cause you not to think or see clearly. and You start to see mirages on the horizon. You start to believe that just over the next ridge, there is a cool pool of water that will refresh you. But as you crest that ridge, you find that the thing you were reaching for is not real. And now you're only left more weary and thirsty than before. That's what sin is like. It promises you a refreshing, but it only leaves you thirsty. It's a mirage. And for this woman, the thing that she thought would complete and refresh her was relationships. So she would get romantically involved with man after man. She had been in many relationships that led to multiple marriages. So many that all her friends stopped coming to the wedding showers. Usually after the second or third one, they stopped coming. But as she would go from one relationship to the next, one mirage after the other, she would only feel ever more lonely and emotionally and spiritually parched. She was dry. 
broken. Going so far down the path of bad decisions to the point where now she completely ignored her conscience. And rather than go through all the headache of yet another wedding, she decides to just live with her current boyfriend. Jacking up, as some people say, so many broken promises. So many broken hearts. So many broken lives as marriage after marriage falls apart for one reason or another. This woman was ashamed of the pain that she had caused in the wake of her own bad decisions. That she wouldn't even go to the supermarket for groceries except at the slow times of the day when few other people were around. She knew what others would say if they saw her because she had heard the cutting words and the whispers of people that would pass her by. Oh, there she is. Homewrecker. Immoral. Just a few of the labels people would assign to her. What was she to do? How, how would she ever escape the pit and the wilderness that she was in? Would she ever find true joy and peace and fulfillment? All the things that she had been searching for, but with no success? This woman's story is found in Scripture. In John chapter 4, she is a Samaritan woman. She has been married five times and is now living with a man she is not currently married to. She is a disgrace in many ways and certainly an outcast in her community. And one day she was making her way to the local well for some water. And as mentioned, this was the slow part of the day. John 4 and 6 tells us it was noon, the hottest part. The part of the day when no sane person goes. You get sunburned at noon. But that's when she chose to get water. No doubt because she knew nobody else would be there. It was shame that led her to go at this point. She had done this many times before, no doubt. But this day, it was different. Because on this day, there was someone else there. Can I just tell you that no matter what every other day up to this day has looked like, today can be different. Can I just tell you that no matter what the season has been like up to now, today can be a new day because you can have an encounter with the rock of the ages. That's what happened to this woman. Jesus was there at that well that day. She thought she was just going to get water from a well, but instead she left with water from the rock. John 4, 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. She didn't understand. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, you'll become thirsty again. If you go to the wells from this world, you will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. 
it becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, this woman, like some of us, she knew all too well what it was like to drink from the fountains of sin and from temporal pleasures and become thirsty again and again. She knew what it was to retreat to the things of this world and whatever vices and whatever other things humans go to. She knew what that was like. And whatever this man was talking about this day, she was desperate for this living water. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again. My prayer is that that becomes our prayer. If you've never had an encounter with Jesus, I'm especially reaching for you today. Because this world is a wilderness. This life is a wilderness. We have all come into this world born in sin. But God has living water available for you. What if you stand together with me? This woman's life forever changed because she had an encounter with the rock of ages and she received water refreshing from the rock. At the beginning of this new year, on the heels of a year that many would say was difficult, the simple call of the master, come and have a drink. Come and be refreshed one more time. Come and allow the Spirit of God to flow and move in your life. Jesus said it this way, Come unto me, everybody that labors, if you are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you will find that rest, and you will find that refreshing. How many know where the refreshing comes from? It comes from the moving and the flowing of the Spirit of God. This spake he of the Spirit. Come on, in John chapter 7, that's the Holy Ghost that is living water, springs of living water flowing from the innermost part of your being, and it's available today. No matter how long you've been wandering, there's a rock you can run to. There's waters of refreshing that can flow even here, even now, even today. Lift your hands all across this sanctuary. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, God wants to pour out of His Spirit upon all flesh. We heard it already spoken and prophesied tonight, that promise over the people of God in this end time age. God wants to pour it out. God wants to let it flow. In the name of Jesus, before we sing, I wish you would just lift your voice and just lift your heart and church family, just create an atmosphere. Because somebody needs a refreshing. Somebody needs a renewal in this place. Somebody watching with us, they need that touch. They need that peace that comes from the water that can flow from the rock of ages. Come on, just let it flow. Let it flow. If you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, just let it flow for a moment.
I just, I just would encourage you right now, just close your eyes. If you would just shut yourself in with the Lord for just a moment, and just everything within you, if you would just let there be that lifting, lifting of hands, lifting of voices, lifting of hearts. Let there be a rising up of our faith once again. Jesus, we believe that you are still that rock. We believe, Jesus, that water still flows. Living water still flows in the end times. Living water still flows in troubled times. Living water still flows in the wilderness. Come on, just let that flow for another few moments here in the name of Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. In this house tonight, they're going to begin to sing in a moment, but if you need something from the Lord, if you just feel like you need that refreshing, that renewal in the Holy Ghost, that is available here tonight. We don't have to leave this sanctuary before we receive from the Lord what we are needing in the Spirit. If you are here and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language, the Bible calls it speaking in other tongues, that is available here. It's like rivers of living water flowing from, the, from, from our belly, the Scripture says, from our innermost being. It just begins to flow out from our mouth in prayer and praise to God. That is available here today. If you need a miracle, God is still a miracle worker. If you need provision, God is still Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. Whatever you need, it can be found from the rock of ages. Jesus is his name. And so if that is you, as they begin to sing, if you would just lift your hands. If you would just begin to reach out to God and let that begin to flow into your life. There is water flowing right here, right now, in the name of Jesus.